All right, welcome back to the Ottawa studios of Inside My Canoe Head. I am your host, Dr. D. Today, we are going to talk about communication on the move. How do you communicate with the outside world, your internal group, your family, your friends, when the shizzy hits the fizzy and you're not sitting at home? So grab yourself your favorite beverage. Let's get at her. All right, thanks again for joining us here at Inside My Canoe Head. Uh, This is a wonderful six week of practical preparedness, second episode of this week. So we're going to cover communications, right? Everybody wants to know, and there's a bazillion different methodologies for communicating. What we want to focus on today are two aspects. Number one is the practical application of adding communication to your planning ideas. What does communication mean and what its purpose and the realistic probability of communications when there is a significant disruption and event? So again, thanks a lot for everybody's feedback at insidemycanoehead.ca. We greatly appreciate it. Remember, we've got a whole slew of social medias out there under our parent company, Preparedness Labs Incorporated. Hit those up, follow on up, drop over to our website at www.preparednesslabs.ca or www.insidemycanoehead.ca. All of the links to everything is there. Look, we got video courses, books, a whole bunch of stuff for you. But thanks again for being here to talk about communication. So the last episode, we had a great conversation about practical considerations for local, interstate, and international travel, right? It's just understanding how the things that you need to think about. It's not about investing. It's not about buying kit and equipment. It's about thinking through what is likely going to be happening during disruptions and what things can you prepare in advance and what processes can you set in place that's what it's about, right? It's not about buying a bunch of crap to try to prepare yourself through the acquisition of goods and services. It's about understanding that there are measures that you can take, thinking processes that are far more effective than any piece of kit you could buy. The first thing that we talk about, and I talk about it in our book, and we talk about it at length in our 200 plus podcast episodes, communication is key. Communication is one prior to the event. And it's one prior to the event when you set the conditions that nobody needs to talk. And what I mean by that, it's a controversial position that we take here at Preparedness Labs Incorporated, is that you should have one practical and well-understood and well-rehearsed preparedness plan for the family. You need one. We call it your shelter-in-place plan. So I live in the city of Ottawa, Ontario, right? My family knows that wherever they are in the city of Ottawa, Ontario, when a significant disruption occurs, and trust me, my friends, you will know exactly when that is, it is their responsibility to self-recover back to the residents. There's no text messages required. There's no phone calls required. There's no, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what's going on. People around me are confused. A well-rehearsed and well-understood preparedness plan has my family executing their roles and responsibilities while everybody's slamming away on a cell phone trying to figure out what's going on. And the simple rule is we'll figure the crap out once everybody recovers home. Now, my kids are all old enough They're young adults. They don't need mommy and daddy intervention to get their arses home. 
we had a different plan when the kids were younger, right? Now, we all know that the bad day never happens on Sunday morning when everybody's sitting around the breakfast table. Everybody's at home. Everybody's where they should be. Low stress environment. That's not when the bad day happens. The bad day happens all the time when we're all at work. The parents are at work at two different locations and the three kids are at school in three different schools. That's what, I mean, this is Mr. Murphy. That's when things are going to go haywire. So at that point, for example, if you had two parents that were at work and three kids at school, the decision as to who's going to pick up what, which kid, that's made in times of peace and calm, as FEMA calls it, blue sky planning. The family preparedness plan clearly indicates who's responsible for picking up which kid in which order. Full stop. No communications necessary. I didn't have to call my wife to see if she was picking up our oldest because she's executing the well-rehearsed plan, right? She's getting into her vehicle or her mode of transport, and she's deploying to pick up the number one child. She won't swing by to get number two and number three or number four because that's my responsibility. Her responsibility is to pick up child number one and get home. So she swings by, picks up child number one, and gets home. She doesn't have to text anybody. She doesn't have to call anybody. She doesn't have to see what's going on. She's executing the preparedness plan. I knew that I had to pick up kid number two, right? So it was my responsibility to leave wherever I was, to depart the situation I was in, to go pick up child number two. That worked for my family. Your family may be different. Obviously, it's going to be. But the idea is, in the middle of chaos, stress, and strain, nobody needed to call each other. Nobody needed to text. Now, when we got home, we were that's when we rolled up to the house and that's when everybody came into the house and we took a big deep breath and made a cup of coffee and a tea. The kids went off and did whatever they were going to do. All that we needed to do because the the foundation of your preparedness plan is your shelter in place plan. So your whole first step is to recover the family from wherever they are and the people you're responsible for. Because remember, family is not nuclear anymore. It is defined. It is multi-generational. It is multi-location. It could be across a couple of towns. How you define family is absolutely 100% up to you. You just have to have a shelter-in-place plan for that family. Once everybody who we defined as part of our family was recovered back in the residence, then we could worry about what was going on. Then we could worry about what hit the fan. Then we could worry about what all the talking heads on the less than important uh, programs were trying to tell us. But the end result was the first step didn't require communications, right? Now, my wife and I have cell phones. They're always very charged. We know that we text and don't talk in an emergency if we have to try to get a hold of each other. But the piece of the communications part that is not often considered uh, by a lot of parents is what is the school's plan? If there is an emergency and where I were uh, a lot of the times where I was moved around in the military, the kids had to take school buses, right? But there's never, there's, there's, the same school bus driver drives the secondary students and the, and, and, and the elementary students, right? So if you've got a full, a full elementary school and a full secondary school, which one gets rescued? 
because there's only enough buses for one of them, right? So which one gets it? What's the school board's plan for your kids when there's a significant disruption and do they even have one? The reason being is you need to know what they're going to do so that you can inform your plan on what you do and then build your communication requirements off of that, right? So my wife and I just, we had a single word that if we needed to text and we were confused... Uh, at the time, it's changed now, obviously, but at the time it was Pepsi. So if I texted the word Pepsi to her, she just executed the preparedness plan. Um, if I, she texted the word Pepsi and a question mark to me, it was, she's not sure. She's just not sure and looking for a resurgence. or the same with me. Sometimes I would text her and say, Pepsi question mark. Like, do we, do we need to recover the kids now? Or like, what, what, what's going on? Cause I may not know what's going on. She may know more than I do and she would confirm or deny it. Right. So very simple, a single word text, um, to your significant other, not necessary, but sometimes it would be a little helpful and you get that out and everybody understands what's going on. So that's communication locally, right? How do you tire? Well, make sure that you have a charged cell phone and understand that texting is a far better alternative than trying to pick up the phone and call anybody because the network uh, gets overwhelmed. And like we had some tornadoes go through here several times over the last couple of years in the city of Ottawa. If a tornado takes out a cell tower, which it did in one of the tornadoes, um, that whole area goes dark, right? It doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter your communication. So if you're relying on communications to execute your family preparedness plan and the comms in the area go down, you've now set yourself up for failure. You've left your family to flounder and flop around like a fish out of water because they can't get direction. They don't know what to do and they can't talk to anybody. What have you achieved? And then there's the one-off chance that, and it's not one-off, but there's always the possibility that your shelter in place plan has to take a significant hard right turn because of the most dangerous thing could happen is an evacuation. So imagine if the event was a rapid onset wildfire, your preparedness plan is, is as it should be, which I would argue is the 94% solution is to recover to your family residence, but your family residence is under immediate and direct threat from a wildfire and there's a mandatory evacuation for your neighborhood. You're obviously not going to recover the family back to the family home. Right. What's that plan look like? Well, if you follow us here at Inside Mike and Newhead and you look at all of our previous episodes we have about evacuation and evacuation planning, I think we have seven in total over seasons seven and eight about the theory behind evacuation and how to conduct an evacuation plan. You have an evacuation plan, right? So when you have to evacuate your house, you know exactly where you're going. The number one thing in a household evacuation plan is have a predetermined location. Don't try to go to the next town, to a shelter, to a hotel. All that crap is ridiculous and dumb. Make you a plan to go to a friend or family that's 100, 150 kilometers, 150 miles away. Somebody's couch that you can slam on for a couple of days that you'd be welcome with open arms, with loving, warmth, friendship. Far better than a Motel 6 where you have to resort your life. You have that, right? You need to be able to communicate that. How you do that, we've got some great ideas on some other episodes, but communication is all about everybody understanding. Communication always starts with 
Everybody understanding what their role and responsibility is in a certain situation and being able to execute that role and responsibility without needing any further guidance. That's number one in communication. Where you have to intervene is when you have to call an audible. And in football terminology, you all know what I mean. That's when you think it's going to be the shelter-in-place plan 94% of the time, but the other 6% rears its head, and you have to initiate the evacuation plan. You, welcome to the modern technologically-enabled society, you have a cell device, right? You use it. Like I said before, my wife and I had a single word for our shelter-in-place plan, and we had a single word for our evacuation plan. Either one of those one words got texted, nothing else needed to be texted. Nothing else. No other further communication. Everybody understood we're, we're initiating a preparedness plan. We're initiating the evacuation plan. I knew what my responsibilities were. My wife knew what her responsibilities were. Everybody knew what the steps to do. The kids knew what were going on. Communication is not that complicated unless you make it complicated. Now, there are some people out there who have a theory of the belief to be able to carry uh, cell phone communicate or sorry, communications that don't require cell networks and cell towers. So there are people who use CB, citizen band radio within their vehicles. Some people carry uh, ham radio with proper ham radio licenses, Baofang and other type of handheld devices. People carry different types of old. I even know some people who still carry the old school pager systems that believe it or not are still up and running and they work through the vast majority of problems that may be stopped by others. Now there are different ways to do that. Uh, You can research which one you think would work well for you and your family. Most of those alternate level of communication do have a price tag with it. I'm very hesitant to recommend anybody invest in anything unless it is absolutely certifiably necessary for you to execute the preparedness plan that you created for you and your family. So if you've got that local squared away, you think about when we talk about interstate travel and international travel, how it becomes more complex to communicate, how it becomes more complex to understand how things are going to occur and what is going on in a given situation. Remember, if you have to communicate with people, you have to be clear and direct. And this is, and I'll the example I'll use with you is I do a lot of backcountry paddling. I'm headed up to northern Saskatchewan here in May to do a just after ice out canoe trip with a bunch of incredible people. Uh, there's no cell service. There's no cell service within a hundred freaking kilometers of where we're going. There's just none, zero, right? So I carry a small little Garmin mini portable satellite communication device, right? It was an investment and it was $500. It's not cheap, but that's a safety device for me to be able to hit an SOS if I get into trouble. And I only have it because I did get injured on a previous canoe trip. I had no SOS device. I had to self-recover my beat up arse out of the back country. Uh, If you've ever tried to paddle uh, 50 kilometers with one arm. I wish you the best of luck. It is an incredibly um, 
<laughs> fun memory now, not so much at the time, but I didn't have the ability to communicate. So after that, my wife said, if you're ever going back into the backcountry, you will have one of these. Uh, so what it allows me to do is that I can send 100 character texts to anybody in my cell phone, anywhere in this world, right? It uses satellite communication to get a hold of them and get into their cell network and get a hold of them. So my wife and I can text each other 100 characters, Right. You remember the old Twitter used to be 140 and now you can be over 280 and then you can be over 280 if you buy the blue check subscription. But cut it back to 100. Now, imagine if you lots of things were going wrong, lots of lots of unknowns, lots of events occurring and you had 100 characters. Right. The art of communication is being succinct and succinct is simply to be clear and articulate. Brevity and concise clear to the point. I don't care about your emotion. I don't care about sad, mad, angry, hungry, whatever. No, this is happening. This is what we're doing. This is happening. This is what I need. I don't know what's happening. This is what I think is happening. What do you know? Very direct questions like that, right? Because I, she would send the text. Some of them got there within 30 seconds. Some of them would take five minutes. Any number of them would be out of order. So it's not like it could be a, a Twitter thread of 15 texts talking about everything that's going on. She had to be crystal clear to me. And it's funny, we have this weird thing that happens with us. Every time I go away from home for an extended period of time of, you know, a week, two weeks, three week trips that I like to take in the backcountry, something bad goes wrong at home right? That requires some type of, of intervention of an external aid assistance, right? So we're waiting to see which one's going to happen this uh, this May. But she sends me text message, what's going on. I answer in text message. I have a way to communicate. There are so many different ones out in the world. I'm a huge fan of the Garmin without question, because I've used it it's incredibly low draw on battery. It's really cool that it sends your better half, um, your uh, geolocation update. So every 30 minutes, it pegs you on a map where you are, et cetera. But really from a communications perspective, when I'm international or whether I'm in intrastate, I have the ability to communicate with my family members without requiring access to a cell phone network or requiring access to a landline phone. Because I travel in places where the cell network doesn't exist, this made sense for me. After a lot of rational thought and events that occurred to me, the $500 was a reasonable investment. If you don't have the 500, that's perfectly fine. Understand then, how am I going to communicate with my family when I get out of cell phone range? How am I going to do that? Uh, passenger pigeons, they're a little bit harder to perfect, but think through the options that are out there. How will you communicate when you have no cell signal, right? And if you say, well, I can't communicate, well, then think about, well, what are all the things that they're going to be asking me? What are all the things that I need to say? What are all the things that we need to have these conversations back and forth on? Now you've just informed your preparedness plan on all the things you have to figure out ahead of time, right? 
if these situations develop, this is what we think we should do as a family, right? Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll communicate about it. We'll deal with it in the moment. But if we don't have communications, we've already thought through from a very general perspective how we're going to handle a number of these events that could occur so that people understand and execute well-rehearsed preparedness plans and they're not buried under you know, confusion, drama, everybody else around texting 17 different people to try to find what's going on. So the art of communication is one by number one, not having to because you've set your plans up for success and not requiring it. But number two is making sure that when you do communicate, you use the most rapid single word text as possible. And then if the cell network is not available, considering and determining whether A, you need an alternate arrangement, then determine B, what the number one best suited alternate arrangement for you is, and then figure out how you acquire it based upon your financial difficulties. Maybe if I go on a canoe trip with eight people, eight people don't have to have a Garmin InReach Mini to be able to talk. Maybe just one person does. We can all pair our cell phones and use that. You see what I mean? Like you doesn't have to be everybody spending money. If you don't have the money, that doesn't mean you're prevented from having these types of communication. It means you may have a different access methodology to get to that. You may have to use a group. It's, it goes back to the old idea when you talk about generators, right? If, if the neighborhood's going to use a gas generator, does every household need one? Or can four households go in together in these times of constrained difficulty and say, hey, listen, let's buy a $350 gas generator uh, from Canadian Tire or Wally World and we're all going to split it and we're going to split the gas and we're going to keep it in a central location and we're going to share the power. We're each going to get a couple hours a day. We talk about that in a number of our episodes when we talk about the practical application of preparedness for those individuals who don't have disposable income. There are some people in today's inflationary world and in cut income and high rent prices, etc. The people, it's not that they don't have disposable income, it's that they're actually behind every month. So you can't come across a preparedness to say, just buy, you know, your Garmin and Reach Mini, get yourself a generator, go buy all this other stuff because it's, it's impractical for people to do something they can't do, right? And then you're just going to add distress and anxiety because you're telling people to do something they can't, right? So we have a whole bunch of other solutions. We saw one community where nobody had a fire extinguisher. But by organizing, creating a community organization and lobbying the city, they were able to get a donation of fire extinguishers through a charity, right? Bam. So everybody got a fire extinguisher, which is one of the key things to household preparedness that he didn't have before without spending money, a bit of money because they got together as a community. So don't wipe it off because it costs money and I can't have it. And that money's a barrier to preparedness because it's absolutely not true, right? There are people that like to believe that because most people who say, they are not prepared because of economics is that's just an excuse for not have to do the mental energy and the effort and the time to invest in preparedness. It has nothing to do with cash. So remember, if in the end you needed a Garmin InReach Mini to do backcountry camping and you didn't have the money for that, now you got to figure out, okay, how do I get that money? What do I need to do? What organizations are there used? Like you start down that process and figure out a strategy. It's not that you can't do something. It's that you haven't developed the plan how yet. 
This ties back to not only communication, but everything else that we advocate for in preparedness here at Inside My Canoehead is we talk about that. Developing a logical, intelligent strategy for how to achieve something that takes an investment of time and energy and no money. That's how preparedness works, right? Because imagine if you listen to somebody on TV, the top 10 things for a prepper to stock up on when they start off with. You stock up, the shizzy hits the fizzy, you get put into a situation and you look at all this crap that you spend the very little disposable money you had on and none of it is exactly what you need because there's no plan behind it. You just took a downloadable PDF from somebody else and figured out that they knew what they were talking about. You bought the 10 things that they were suggesting and now you're staring at them in your basement and they're very much useless to you and I apologize for that but that happens far more than you would imagine. So just remember, when you talk communications, it's about first understanding a well-thought-out preparedness plan that everybody understands the role so you mitigate or remove the need to communicate in times of an emergency. When you do have to communicate, it's short, single-word texts, not phone calls. And then in the unlikely event that you have placed in a position where you need an alternate form of communication. You've gone through the options, you've talked it out with your family, and you have a way. And the last thing I'll say about alternate forms of communication is I use mine for disasters because I, if the cell phone networks go down in Ottawa, Ontario, because something happened, I'm not using my Garmin InReach satellite communicator to try to to talk to other people in Ottawa, right? I'm reaching out to friends and family who are in Edmonton, Alberta, who are in Victoria, British Columbia, who are in Halifax, Nova Scotia, who are in the panhandle of Florida, and I'm asking them what they're being told is going on, right? So I'm reaching out to external first-person sources, voices I trust of intelligent, logical humans who will give me a no-poop answer as to what they're hearing from external sources of what's going on, right? I'm not using satellite communications to necessarily try to talk to my neighbor three streets over, right? I've already been over to their house to have a cup of coffee to try to figure out what's going on. The point be, you may have a need when you do your preparedness plan for alternate communications. If you do, there are many ways to have it. So hopefully this brief little chat about communications on the move, communications at times of preparedness was important. It was helpful. Drop us a line at insidemycanoehead.ca. There's a button there where you can get my uh, email address at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. DM me across uh, social media. Tell us what you think, not only about the quality of the podcast and the material you hear, but on top of that, subject matter and things you would like to hear in the future. So thanks again for joining us this week at Inside My Canoe Head. Take care. Stay safe.